stress is stress is one bucket. Whether your stress is from physically running or your stress is from work or from your kids being sick, those things all go into one bucket and they impact the quality that you can give to your training. Welcome to episode 5 of the podcast. In this episode, our guest is Fred Richardson. Fred is the founder and head coach at Mindful Runner. Fred is a certified running coach, personal trainer and adventure guide. Fred lives in Johannesburg, South Africa with his partner and their two dogs. The main focus of our conversation today is on the importance of having a coach as well as the need to take time to choose a coach that suits your personality as well as your running goals. Full disclosure, Fred is my running coach and I really wanted to have this episode because I know the difference that having a coach made in my life. Here's my chat with Fred. Hi Fred. Hi Linda, how are you? I'm good. Um, Fred, welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. So I'm a running coach, which you know. I, uh, I'm based in Joburg. I've been coaching for probably the last 15 years, making a living out of it for the last eight. And I really can't think of doing anything better than, than coaching. I get to spend my time with runners. I get to spend my time outdoors. Um, yeah, I, I grew up in Africa, running in the, in, in the felt barefoot um, I've been in love with outdoors since I can remember. So it just it seemed like a, a wonderful progression when the corporate life just had me completely disillusioned and, and I, I needed to get out of it. And, and this has been a, just a great way to continue my own existence following something that feels really true to me. And let's dig deep a little bit into the corporate bit. How long were you in corporate? What were you doing? And what was the trigger that made you decide, this is it, I'm leaving? Yeah, so... You know, I had um, I was in IT, and we had been working six hour sorry not six hour days six day weeks um, eighteen hour days just long days long hours giving up your life for what in the end didn't seem like a, a lot of real value and um, after probably fifteen years of that I, I looked around and decided I needed to change and moved my family to a little village called Salt Rock on the Kaiser North Coast. My son was five at the time, and it was just a wonderful move uh, for all of us. The quality of life was brilliant. And I was on the beach one day, and <laughs> my son was asking me to show him how to do a cartwheel. And I thought, yeah, I, was a, I did gymnastics at school. Let me show him how to do this. What I didn't take into account was the fact that I weighed 118 kgs and um, was severely overweight. I thought I'd snapped my wrist. I was, I was lying there with sand in my face, and I just realized, okay, something needs to change. Yeah. I, want to spend my days with my son as he grows up. I want to show him how to be adventurous. I want to spend time on the water. I want to spend time hiking and adventuring with him. And, and I just, I wasn't in that kind of shape. So I started literally the next day, just walking 20 minutes a day, every day. It didn't matter whether it rained, hail, made no difference. I just walked. And over a period of about six months, I think, I started to slowly integrate running into that. And um, it took about six months I think, and I was down to 100 kilograms, which is still much heavier than I am today. But it was a it was a major change, and it 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 opened up my eyes to what could be done and what was possible 
And, you know, we talk, and now, I mean, we're talking, I'm 18 years on, and we talk about lifestyle changes. And, and what I realized from that experience was I didn't make significant changes in my lifestyle. I just started to walk. And my lifestyle changed around that. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure you, you've seen the same thing. You need to train tomorrow, so you're not going to stay out as late as you used to. You get up a little earlier. You don't have the second drink or the third drink. And, and your lifestyle starts to change. And the people you start to associate with start to change. And you look back after three or four years and you realize you have a completely different lifestyle to what you used to have. And that, for me, as I said, that was like 19 years ago. And it was a turning point in realizing that this is possible. It's plausible for so many people to access the same kind of lifestyle changes. You know, <laughs> we're inundated with stuff on, on Facebook, on social media, on products to buy this is going to change your life that's going to change your life and so much of it is trivial whereas what we do as as coaches as running organizers as runners this is what we should be selling people we sell health you know it's it's an amazing thing to be involved in um getting people healthy and strong and able to run away from the zombies when they come so (laughs) (laughs) oh yes and what would you say is your favorite thing about coaching Oh, wow. There's just so many things. Um, I think transformation, seeing people transform, um, and, and not just physically, but, but seeing people come to life in the sense that running is a very enabling thing. You know, when you, when you first look at it, somebody like me sitting on, on the couch at 118 kilograms going, I wish I could run, to then get running that first 5K, all of a sudden you can run five kilometers without having to stop and it's enabling, you know, and in time you can run 10 and then you can run 20. And, and those things just make you feel more capable. And that yeah. feeds into the rest of your life. And, and I see that again and again with runners I coach. Whether I'm coaching somebody for their first 5K or for their 10th, 100-miler, the level of accomplishment that the physicality brings to other aspects of their life is probably the most rewarding thing about the coaching process. Um, I think it's pretty amazing when you uh, see tangible changes of the work you've done. So the main reason, Fred, why I actually asked you to be on the podcast is sometimes I think people sort of take it for granted. People think, oh, having a coach, what's the big deal? I can do this on my own. I'm not a very like experienced runner, but from what I've seen and from books I've read and stuff like that, I know that having a coach actually makes a big difference. So you as a coach, if you had to say, what sort of differences does having a coach make to a runner? Yeah, so I I mean, I I agree with you 100%. And I think that everybody can benefit from having a coach, whether you're a first-time runner to somebody who's very experienced. Um, Typically, what I see is that the guys who are starting out running um, generally will do too much too soon. They'll try and run too fast so the beginner runners and and when i say beginner i mean i think in that first year of of getting into your running that's when the coach's main job is to say slow down don't do less you know don't do so much of that that's that's kind of what you're doing most of the time when you have an experienced runner something somebody who's been running for three years or, or even 20 years the most the biggest challenge for the coach then is to push that runner because they've now got to the point where they are physically capable of running the distances that they've chosen and their bodies are adapted after three years. And now they tend to settle into a a comfort zone 
And you need to, as a coach, then kick them out of that comfort zone for them to realize the, their best potential. And, and, and many people are, you know, that's what they're looking for, is they're looking, when they come to a coach, is help me be better at this. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean faster. It's often enjoyment, just pure, I, I want to enjoy my running more. Um, I want to run further. Or there's a kind of maybe a mountain run scares you and, and you want to be, become a mountain runner. You know, it's... So these things, it's not just about running fast that you want to get a coach on board for. Um, if you look at the reasons for getting a coach, and, and also consider that you've got either in-person coaching yeah. and you've got online coaching. So, you know, the in-person coaching, that's the person who's going to be there on the track with you twice a week, every every week they're there, they're well, watching their clock, they're checking your program, and they're able to give you immediate instant feedback on your running form and how you're looking and work with your mindset, mental approach, that kind of thing on a very personal basis. The other aspect and the thing that I do most of is online coaching. And with the online coaching, I think because we're at that disadvantage in the sense that I'm not able to see my runner run, I depend a lot more on the data that comes in. Um, and so the running watches and, and the GPS watches become super important to me and I use a, a product, Training Peaks, which allows us to really do a deep dive into the stats that come back on how my runners are doing, what they are getting out of each individual run. Because when you're a coach, and even if you're, if you're using a program that you pick out of a magazine, every single one of those runs on each day has been designed with a purpose in mind, a specific purpose. And you should understand what that purpose is, because that's going to allow you to get the best out of that run. Now, when I see that data coming back as a coach, I know what I intended with that run. The mm -hmm. data is telling me whether that objective was achieved or not. So I think that the, the compensation, the, almost the overcompensation is, okay, because I don't see that person face-to-face, -face, I've really got to dive into this data and make sure that I'm getting the results that I expect. And then, you know, along with that, the programming comes accountability. I'm holding you accountable. You know, Linda, I'm checking your program and going, you didn't run yesterday or you didn't run this week. Are you sick? What's happening? Do we need to change your program? You know, I've seen, for instance, I will give somebody a, a hill repeat session on a Tuesday. And, and for some reason, every Tuesday, that person has to work late and they can't do their session. <laughs> kind of, And they haven't noticed until you go, do you realize that you only work late on Tuesdays and it uh -huh. just happens to coincide with your hill session? Yeah. And often the light bulb goes on, oh, hell, I'm making excuses to be at work because I'm afraid of the run. So do we need to change something in that? Um, some people don't like the pressure of, um, of running to times. So if we're doing, for instance, 800-meter repeats and I say I want that done in four minutes, that amount of pressure, I've got runners who will literally have not be able to sleep the night before because they've got to hit those targets. And then you change that and you say, okay, don't worry about the time, just run to a perceived effort. So run to an eight out of 10 effort level. And that yep. person is then running at four minutes and they are able to sleep that night. So it's kind of the accountability is there, but also being able to tweak the program to suit the person is an important aspect from a coaching point of view as well, is making sure that what you're working with your client on works for them. It's not a cookie-cutter program. I'm not putting out a program that says, 
there we go. That's what you have to stick to, and that's the only way. Everybody's unique. Everybody has their own way of approaching things Mm -hmm. um, and stuff that works for them. And I think the good coaches are able to dig into what works for their clients and adapt their programs so that they still are achieving the same or at least very similar results to what was originally intended. So that's the accountability side. The other thing that, that most coaches are going to do for you, uh, or many coaches will do, is, is a running form assessment. So what do you look like when you run uh, biomechanical assessment? Do we need to change aspects of your biomechanics in order to get you running properly and running well? Because, you know, we talk about endurance running. Anything beyond 5K is, is endurance running. If you're training for a 5K or 10K, you're an endurance runner. And the more you run the more likely you are to encounter uh, overuse injuries, and mm-hmm. especially when your biomechanics are wrong. You're going to run into problems that are just because your biomechanics are wrong. So if we can correct those biomechanics, which means identifying where the problems are and then introducing strength and conditioning that corrects those problems. You know, for a lot of a lot of us, we sit down for a living. So... I can tell you that the most common problem amongst runners is just, um, especially office working runners, is that the whole back chain, your, your glutes, your glute medius, your glute max, they aren't firing properly. It's not that you don't have muscle there. It's mm-hmm. just that that muscle is not used to running and it needs to be activated and it needs to be fired up correctly. So strength and conditioning is a, is a very important part of injury prevention because, again, coming back to the endurance running, the more you can run, the more consistent you can run, the more consistently you can train, the better your gains are going to be. You will see if you can run four or five days a week for a year, you will not believe the kind of runner you become in that year. But if you're constantly suffering from injuries, then it's a stop-start affair. You know, you're injured, so you go to the physio, physio fixes the, the injury, you go to the bio for a bit, you do a strength and condition, you restart. So the process is restarting every six months, six weeks to kind of three months until eventually you work out the problem. Whereas if you start with the strength and conditioning early on, you never encounter those problems. Um, and again, this is where a good coach will come in. They will understand the stresses you're being put under and make sure that you never get to the point that you are injured to the extent that you can no longer train and you have to go through that cycle again. That's the strength and conditioning aspect. Nutrition coaching is also plays an important role in, in, in running. And when we talk nutrition coaching, we're talking about sports nutrition in the sense that from a running point of view, you need to fuel your training and you need to fuel your racing. So it's more about fueling. It's not about dieting. You know? So in order to train the, as best I can, what do I need to eat um, and how do I need, when do I need to eat? Um, and the same for racing. The other aspects that coaches will bring in is mental agility training. So just mental agility, mental strength, how to cope with, you know, how do I get up tomorrow morning for this training session? I'm just, I'm bored with it. I'm tired. I'm demotivated. And often when you're training for, a big event, you know, anything from sort of half marathon onwards, there's going to be a patch in the beginning of that training period, that training block where the running is boring. It is just get up every day and go and do an easy run or do an LSD kind of run. And sometimes you just need help to get over that hump to say, get out there, go and do your run, or you haven't done your run, or you send a message to your coach going, I'm really not feeling it today. And you just get a message back that helps you get going. You know, one of the aspects that we bring in is, is um, mindfulness and, and mindful coaching because mindfulness just adds in a lot of the kind of stuff that you need as a runner to not get sucked into the drama of 
your life of your pain when you're running, mindfulness just introduces an aspect of detachment, for want of a better word. It's a useful skill, which is why we use mindfulness when we look at uh, agility and strength work, uh, sorry, mental agility and training. Um, and then I think probably, you know, the last point we're looking at that you would expect to get from your, your running coach would be race planning. Uh, the big races that you're going to, if you are somebody who wants to race, then you want to get some help in approaching the race. How do I, how am I going to fuel? What pace should I run at? What what pace am I ready for? Can I run a sub two hour half marathon? You know, that's what your co- that's what you would depend on your coach to be able to give you the information that you need for that. Yeah, I think that's kind of those are all the things I can think of, Linda. That I would want to I would want to get from a coach. The next question I was going to ask is, what is your coaching approach? Yeah, it's it's an it's a human approach. That's because I've I've looked at this before and I've actually tried to frame it on my website and I've tried to write it up. And now that you asked the question so directly, it's probably the first time I've actually found the words for it. It's a human approach. Yeah. Every single person is a, is a human being. They have their own stuff going on. They have a lot of their life is outside of the hour that they go for their run, and I need to first appreciate that and accommodate that, and then within that, help them get the best from their running. And that it varies. Yeah, as we've said, it, it could be, it can be psychological, it can just be physical, it can be a okay, today you just need to suck it up and go and run at 10, you know, 10 Ks an hour, go and get it done. Yeah, it is very much looking at the human being and, and trying to make sure that the program achieves what they want to achieve. Because there's nothing, I don't think there's anything worse than feeling like, you failed, especially when you're signing up with me to achieve a goal and I just go, no, you're failing at this. Oh, you're terrible. You're useless. That's the last thing in the world you want. And it's certainly not yeah. a way to, to build somebody. So it's always best to find the wins. And I think, I mean, you, you've worked with me. You know that I'm, I'm always looking for the positive and looking for how do we win from this situation rather than, oh, dear, you did that wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I think that um, one of the things that I learned with time is that it's important when you're looking for a coach to find somebody who has a right fit for you. Is sometimes people have different ways of coaching. Like some people are very authoritarian. So like if you don't run your run this week, then you feel shamed, then you feel so bad, and then you go into a cycle and then you just stop running completely because you give up. Definitely the importance of, of, of fit between the coach and the person the coach is coaching, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I've worked with other coaches and I've worked with other personal trainers and, and I've seen dramatically different styles to my own. And I've literally pulled a, a, somebody aside and said, how can you talk to somebody like that? And they kind of go, well, that's what they're paying me for. And I've had, <clears throat> with that specific coach, I've had an ex-client come to me and go, look, I don't, I can't work with you, but... That guy doesn't yeah. let me off the hook. He beats me up, and that's what I need. And I was I was horrified. <laughs> I can't believe you can let somebody speak to you in that way. But that person wanted that from their coach. And so, yeah, everybody's different, you know, um, and motivated by different things. So it is a matter of finding the fit. And I think when you do go out there looking for a coach, speak to, speak to the people they're coaching, speak to them, and then look at the kinds of results they're getting from their people. Because at the end of the day, you're signing on a coach for a reason. Well, I mean, maybe it's just to keep you motivated. And if that's and if you want your butt kicked every day, then there are guys out there who are really good at doing that. But I think my personal style is to always find a way to achieve the end objective. Yeah, without the beating up. Yeah. And the other thing I also wanted to mention is the importance of 
the person, but you've sort of already touched on this. For example, the runner needs to give the coach feedback. Like you can't be coached and then you just don't let the coach know how you're doing or what's going on. Oh, it's absolutely vital. And and I find, so the, the, the people who are giving me feedback are the ones who are getting the best results, you know, um, because I'm able to make changes and adapt early on to those programs and to those clients. Um, the ones who talk to me are definitely the ones who get the best results from me because I have more information to work with. And so with that more information, it gives me more options with their coaching and, and, and ways to achieve the end goal. And it's not just about necessarily about the running. It can be I had a really bad day at work. My brother's sick. You know, those things all count. They all play to how your mindset is. And stress is stress is one bucket. Whether your stress is from physically running or your stress is from work or from your kids being sick, those things all go into one bucket and they impact the quality that you can give to your training. So if I'm not aware of those things happening, I just look at you maybe doing half the work and I'm thinking, oh, they're not really that interested. And and if I'm not getting the feedback, I don't understand why they're not that interested. And typically, I mean, I will see this with clients again and again. I can see the, the interest fade from my dashboard of, okay, the workouts are being done because Training Peaks has a green light for we've done the workout and orange or a yellow light for more or less and a red light for nothing. And when I see all red across the board for a couple of weeks, I know this client is losing interest. And and then it's a case of trying to touch base and find out why can Mm -hmm. we make changes. But often it is something that's completely unrelated to their training. Simply by reaching out and saying, what's going on? You start to plug in and and, and then, then it becomes much easier to adapt their program or just accommodate them. Just kind of go, okay, well, take the time out. You obviously need it. Running isn't everything. Running isn't life. I mean, it is for me, but it's not. It's not. A, it doesn't define you. You're not a runner. Running is one of the things you do. I like that uh, all-round approach. So this is like maybe I am biased because you do coach me. But the one of the benefits that I have found of being coached by you is that there's a group of people that basically have training programs, and when you need to run on the weekend, sometimes you can get together with the group. And have a long run. And I know in one month, literally, I ran all my weekend runs because I knew the group was running and I could run with the group. So yeah. that's just another benefit. Yeah, it is. And yeah, it is for sure. And, and it's useful if I know that I've got clients in, 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 in areas to try and structure programs in such a way that those things can happen, that uh, interval sessions can happen on a Saturday in the same location. So that even though you're running at a different time to somebody else or so you're running different times to somebody else you can still be in the same space and there's some sharing there at least and some safety and i, I do try and work the, that side of the community in that's definitely helpful um so fred this is completely different not to do with necessarily like coaching coaching but to touch mm. on the nutrition i know that you are mostly are you plant based are you vegetarian are you vegan I yeah, just so want to dig a little bit, just a little bit into that, just for a bit. Yes. Yeah. So, so I'm personally vegetarian. Um, mm-hmm. I would, I would choose vegan if we didn't go out. But it's difficult. Um, eating out is a little difficult when you are vegan. Much simpler when when you are only eating at home. But I'm fairly comfortable with with uh, with eating vegetarian. We eat some eggs. We eat a bit of cheese. That's about the the only compromises that we make. Yeah, I think it's the easiest way 
as an ultra runner to keep your weight down is to shift to a vegetarian or a vegan diet. It's not difficult. And I have been for, uh, I'm going on about 13 years now. Did you did you go cold turkey or? No. So it started very slowly. It started with um, Meatless Mondays. It, it kind of, so mine is, I'm, I am an animal lover and um, I, I do, I am vegetarian as a, a choice of reducing animal abuse. And, and motivated by that, I started out with Meatless Mondays and Meatless Mondays just slowly progressed into less and less meat through the week until the day that I went, okay, that's it. I'm not, I don't have to eat meat anymore because what happens is when you start to make the change. So initially what's difficult is um, as a new vegetarian or a new vegan, what's the quick meal that's in the fridge? It's difficult, right? Mm -hmm. But once you start building up that recipe, that, 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 um, those supplies in the fridge and you build up the quick recipes, then it's no longer a problem. I have go-to meals, you know, the ones that beans and rice is the simplest go-to meal for, for a vegetarian or a vegan. It's like, don't know what to cook, uh, beans and rice with some spices in and there yeah. you go, that's a complete meal. So, yeah, it was, it was initially a slow shift and then just jumping over and I've, I've never gone back. I, I do go vegan for patches for three to six months at a time I'll go vegan uh, when I'm feeling especially guilty but mostly I'm vegetarian. In terms of uh, running, do you think it's a, it's a big benefit? I know there's a couple of uh, movies I've watched and stuff. You know, I, I've seen um, all of, I've seen the accolades for, oh, I, I don't get as, as much joint pain. I don't get the same inflammation. And I mean, honestly, I don't know whether that's true because I think I've been vegetarian so long that I don't look I personally, I don't suffer from joint pain. I'm, 57 years old, I run 100k weeks. I, I, I don't suffer from that stuff, but I don't necessarily put it down to just my diet. It may well be, but I don't know. I don't need me to run the distances that I do and do the training that I do. Okay, thanks, Fred. I know I went on a segue there, but it's because I'm always interested. I've I've sort of tried to go plant-based or completely plant, and I'm always curious to see how everyone else is doing it. Anyway, so uh, we're going to go into the podcast questions. Um, so what's the craziest thing you've experienced as a runner or something that happened to you that only runners would understand? Oh, wow. <laughs> I am, um, yeah, probably, I'm not sure this is podcast shareable. Um, so you, you can maybe edit <laughs> it out with it if it doesn't work. <laughs> No, no, runners get pretty graphic. So. Yeah, exactly. So it was, I think it was actually it was my first marathon, my first comrades qualifier in uh, in Peter Maritzburg way back. And um, Maritzburg, the, the Maritzburg Postnet uh, Marathon, I think, um, and it runs through the suburbs. And those people don't have fences and stuff. They've got beautiful lawns and hedges and things. And um, obviously, some guy had needed to go to the toilet because as we were running past the house, this guy came sprinting out down the driveway with his pants around his knees with half of the family that were living in the house. They'd been sitting on their balcony watching the race. Yeah. And this guy ran around behind their hedge to go and do a number two on their lawn. And they were sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> it was just this yell, hey, what are you doing? And this guy came sprinting around the corner with his pants on his knees. Because there were hundreds of runners, obviously. It's yeah. 10 k's into a marathon. Yeah. 
I think this uh, this is the thing they always talk about is that yeah, when runners talk, this this topic is always always on the table, yeah. almost always. It it's what it's one of those. And uh, what would you say is your favorite race or a race that you would highly recommend? Oh wow! So I'm <laughs> I'm a South African and I love all of our races. I think for me, I, I tend to choose. Um, so I'm not going to pick one. I'm going to give you a bunch. Yeah. I, t- I tend to choose the events that um, allow us multiple distances. So this is why the 100 milers are so appealing because at those 100 mile events and the 100k events will be a 50k and a 30k and a 21k. So along those lines, Ultra Trail Cape Town is probably South Africa's premier world-class event. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you've got the backdrop of Table Mountain, you've got ocean, you've got vineyards, you've got forests, you've got the beauty of, of Cape Town. It's an absolutely stunning event. It's really well organized and you can choose from multiple distances. And then we kind of wind it back to an event we'll be at next weekend, Addo, yeah. uh, one of South Africa's, you know, the granddaddy of 100 milers in South Africa it was the first 100 mile event. Um, and that's that's like much quieter. It's more a sense of a small community running um, and very personal touch. None of the the big commercialization of of a, an ultra trail character, uh, but in its own way, you know, it's it's kind of represents the spirit of of what running is about, of what distance running is about. With the organizers, uh, Sheena and Sean, they they both. But both deeply committed to the running. It's not so much the money that's coming from the sport, it's the running that it, that counts. And I think, and, and then that comes back to uh, MacMac. Those, you know, Fuki and Ilov, those, those guys, they're the organizers of that event as well, also deeply committed to running in South Africa and distance running. And so their events, you know, there's at MacMac, again, multiple distances to run. So you are mixing with, the guys who are running 100 miles, well, I think Macmac's got a 200 miler. You're mixing everybody from the guys who are running a 20K to the guys who are running a 100 miler at the finishes. And, and, and people are seeing these, the big runners. And when I say big runners, the guys are running long distances. But equally, those long distance runners are getting to hang out with people who are new to the sport or people who are just fast over the shorter distances. And, and they're seeing other aspects of the sport. So to me, it's the, you know, pick one of the, the big events around the country that's got multiple distances going on mm-hmm. because you're going to see so much of, of what running is about. And you need to just get away from, I think Cape Town is the, uh, Cape Town is the only one that's in a big city. All of our other events, our trail events, are they're all out somewhere in, in a wonderful area of the country. Um, and you get Altschild Drakensberg, which is going to happen at the end of April. You know, that's on the biggest terrain we have in the country, the Jarkensburg. It's this massive canvas of trail that you don't need to try and set a tricky route or punish runners. You just have to basically say, go from A to B in the Jarkensburg and yep. the Berg delivers. You know, it's it's an amazing place to run. Um, and that's probably, I think for me personally, and I think you know this as well, the Jarkensburg is my favorite place to run. Racing there is really special. So. I can't pick one. Just we've got amazing places to run and amazing events going on. No, we definitely do. Thank goodness uh, we can start racing again. 
And then, so a book recommendation, it can be running related or just a book you would recommend. Oh, I've got so many books in my library, but Eat and Run, Scott Urich, was probably the, the book that really got me properly committed to trying the vegan diet and certainly has kept me vegetarian because Scott was an ama- is an amazing runner. I mean, he, he remains an amazing runner. And each chapter ends with another vegan diet. So uh, another vegan meal, sorry, not diet, another vegan meal. Um, and it's his, his story is incredible, you know, seven times winner of um, uh, the Western States. Uh, he ran against the terrible Mo. He's just an incredible runner um, and all purely vegan since he was a young child. So I think, yeah, that's probably one of my best, but I never stop reading. Um, I just keep on adding books to the pile. Okay. I haven't read that one, but I, I know Scott. Yeah, Scott is, I admire him quite a bit as well. And then um, a movie or a TV series that you'd recommend? Um, so I just watched <laughs> it recently again, and it just touched me deeply, was um, uh, Chariots of Fire. It is the classic quintessential running movie. Yes, yeah. Um, just, yeah, as a, as a runner, that's probably the the running movie. There's a lot of stuff available now, you know, on on YouTube. You can bounce in and you can see a lot of the 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 modern short style adventure type running movies, yeah. but nothing nothing with the story that um, that Chariots of Fire has. I think okay. I still want to watch Pre. That's the other one I want to watch, which I haven't been able to get. But oh yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, I read, uh, what's his name, Phil Knight's book. That's when I was introduced to Pre. And yes. what a phenomenal character. Yeah, I think yeah, the movie would be amazing. interesting. Yeah. He lived fast. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, died very young, though. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, those are the exciting runners to work with at the end of the day. And, and, and the excitement level is somebody who's prepared to commit like really, really commit without fear. And that was pre. He committed yeah. without the fear, you know, just all in or nothing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's an amazing approach, an incredible way to live, but so difficult to do. That's so true. Okay, Fred, so where can we find you on social media? And if anyone wants to find out more about this uh, coaching stuff or wants to join or has any other things they need to find out about you, where can we find you? Okay, so it's uh, mindfulrunner.co.za. Mm-hmm. That's, that's mindful, you know, one L, because the one with two Ls, that's when your mind is full. So mindfulrunner.co.za, that's the website. Uh, on Instagram, we are mindfulrunner, and Facebook, mindfulrunnerjhb for Johannesburg. Okay, Fred. Um, so what we're going to do is, guys, Hopefully we can get Fred to come in again. So I'm going to send out a notice via Instagram or Facebook to see if anyone has any questions to ask Fred and then we can have a Q&A with him. Fred, thank you so yeah. much for joining. Oh, you're so welcome. I look forward to that Q&A. That should be a whole lot of fun. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Okay, cheers. Thank you all for listening. I will put up a notice for the Q&A session with Fred on social media, so please watch out for that. Have a great week full of running adventures.
Till next time. Cheers. Thank you.